0: Welcome to FC. If you're a first-time guest of Faith Chapel, thanks for being here. Please stop by the Welcome Center on the way out, not just to say hi to Amber, but Carol Rowden has a gift bag that she wants to give you a gift from Faith Chapel free of charge. Gifts are supposed to be free of charge. Can I get an amen? amen? No strings attached, just free of charge. I think there's all sorts of information about the church, and there is a Faith Chapel travel mug. If you're a coffee drinker or a hot tea, if you need a spalt of tea, all right, we will have that available to you. Grab them all you can. They were last year's logo, so we're going to be discontinuing them for the new logo. So get them all you can. They're going like hotcakes. And I don't even know what that means, but when things go fast, people talk about hotcakes. And I don't have a problem talking about cake. How about you? We can talk about cake, pie, brownies, Twizzlers, anything like that. I'm on your side, all right? So make sure you stop by there, say hi to Amber, and get one of our Faith Chapel gift bags that we would like to give to you. Why don't you stand with me, and we're going to read our text, and then I'm going to bless you. Why am I having you stand? Is it to honor God's word? Maybe, and maybe so you don't fall asleep because you've been seated for a while, and if you worked at VBS all week, you're running on fumes. Can I get an amen? Okay, so we we want you glued. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3 says this, and this is our text for today. A bruised reed he will not break, referring to Jesus. In a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. That's the kind of Jesus that we serve. We thank you, Jesus, that you don't break reeds that are bent over. We thank you that when somebody hardly has any life shining in them, You don't snuff it out, but you call it to shine all the brighter. And I thank you for every man and woman that's in this place. You know what they're all facing. Some of them today might feel like that bent reed. Some of them might feel like that wick that hardly has any life left. I I don't know. I do know that your word says that our high priest is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So you relate to us in our brokenness, but you also come alongside and within to strengthen us to overcome the brokenness. I thank you that you do it to us and in us and you do it through us for others. Bless us today, draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, you may be seated. I know what time it is and I know that I'm running on a little shorter clock today. And I, I also know that I don't care. And if you know that about me. Uh, but we'll run a little shorter clock today. And it's good to see uh, Mary here with us today. Um, Mary was one of our members from New Zealand. And she, is, uh, she was here, then she moved to New Zealand. And it's always good to see her home visiting. We love her so very much. And good to see a lot of you visiting today. It's, just, it's fun having you here. God bless you guys. All right, let's do it. This message was shared 500 years before Jesus put on the clothing of humanity, and came to this planet to liberate people. Okay, 500 years. And we see this carried out in the way that he did his ministry and also in the message that he communicated. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, one of Jesus' first public messages, it wasn't the first one, but one of his first public messages, we all know it. It says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I'm gonna give you a little context for just a moment. At the beginning of Matthew chapter 11, we see something kind of interesting. And I'm even gonna go a little bit in front of that. Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. Did you know that? They're cousins. And John the Baptist had the calling of God to be a forerunner for the Messiah. So he was preparing the way for the Messiah. Now, one day, John is prophesying about Christ. And he said, people are asking him, are you the one that was to come? Are you the Messiah? And he said, no, there's one. He's coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend down and to undo his sandals. He showed such honor for that position of the Messiah, the Christ, that he said, I'm not even worthy to take off his shoes. Now, it doesn't say that he knew who that person was yet. It just said that he knew whoever the Messiah was, he wasn't even worthy to take off his sandals. Well, one day, Jesus comes walking along the Jordan River up toward John. And in this moment, John doesn't say, hey, cousin, what's up? But he looks at him. And there's a revelation of the Spirit that's given to him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In that moment, John had a revelation that Jesus wasn't just his cousin. He wasn't just a good guy. But this is the one that I've been watching for. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit comes down from heaven and it lands on Jesus and it remains there, right? And the Holy Spirit's on him. And Jesus then goes from that into the wilderness for a season of temptation, and after that temptation, out of the wilderness under the power of the Holy Spirit, and he starts doing amazing things. Now, while Jesus is doing amazing things, John is continuing to preach his message. And his message was, prepare the way of the Lord. There's coming a day where he's going to make every mountain come down and he's going to raise every valley and he's going to deal with the unrighteousness of these people. John's continuing to preach the message. As he preaches the message, one of the things that he observes is that the king, Herod, has taken his sister-in-law to live with him. This is like Jerry Springer. The king has brought his sister-in-law into his own home, stole his brother's wife, And he's taken her for his own wife, even though they're not legally married. And John the Baptist speaks up. And he says, this is deplorable before God. This lack of morality is bringing a curse on God's people. And John is arrested. And he's placed in prison. He's in prison. He's been doing what he's called to do. A message of righteousness and holiness and repent. And he's already prophesied that Jesus is the Messiah. And in this moment when John's in prison, he starts wondering is Jesus going to do what the Messiah is supposed to do? Because in John's opinion, the Messiah is going to bring judgment on the earth. I mean, one of these days God's word says that he's going to come back, his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives and he's going to rule and reign the nations from Jerusalem. It's going to happen. So John's looking up and he's like, hey, are you going to deliver us from Rome? Are you going to set us free from this oppression? And by the way, are you going to get me out of prison? If you're in prison and you know Jesus is the king, you might start wondering why you're still in prison. So John sends his disciples, go find out from Jesus if he was the one who was to come or if we should expect someone else. And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to who? The poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's disciples come, and they hear Jesus' response, they go back to report it to John. Jesus says there's been no greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. He's amazing, but by the way, any child that accepts the kingdom is ahead of him in this thing. In other words, John doesn't even understand the role of the kingdom right now. As Amber said, they pray specifically on the Slough campus. Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done on Slu's campus like it is in heaven. We pray in O'Fallon, Father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done in O'Fallon, in St. Charles County, in our nation, like it is in heaven. When we're calling out for the kingdom, we're calling out for the authority of heaven to be given to man to do the work of heaven on earth. That's what we're calling out for. And Jesus said, any child that accepts the authority of heaven is even greater than John. He was showing that John didn't completely understand. After giving the message, after preaching the message, Jesus then in the towns of Galilee stands up among the broken. People that he's, he's already healed some of them. He's already delivered some of them. But how do you know when some people get healed, there's still a lot of people that haven't been healed. And when some are freed, there still are more that are in prison. And when some are fed, there are still more that are hungry. I know this, I have a bunch of nieces and they come to my house all the time. They come walking in, Ben and Josie pull up, they have like 17 children. There are times they go to leave and they forget some of them, and I'm running out the door going, wait, and I see Josie saying to her husband, drive, drive, drive. And I'm telling you, I wonder if they're ever fed at home. Because the moment they walk into our house, they say, hi, Uncle Brad. And instead of saying Aunt Beth, they say Hi Aunt Beth, Hi Uncle Brad, Hi Aunt Beth, and they kind of wave on their way to the pantry. And they go in and they just anything that can be devoured, it is devoured like a bunch of locusts. And when they're done, they're still hungry. There's always more hungry people. How many know what I'm talking about? Have you ever met the guy that says I just can't have another bite, and you're like Oh, I have cake," and they're like Well, maybe there's a little room, right? And I have ice cream. Oh, that's good. It's the mortar that holds everything together. The cake will fall and the ribs, but if you give me some ice cream, it'll just bring everything into place, right? So they can always eat a little more. There's always hungry. There's always broken. There's always weary. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. I want you to think about this from the perspective of our culture for a moment. Is this the message of our culture to people? To the weary, to the broken, to the impoverished? Is this the message of our culture? Or does our culture tend to say, give me your strong, give me your best, so that I can use up your gifts and skills and put you to the side when you're exhausted? See, I think we live in a society that doesn't want what Jesus wants. And I think if we're not careful, we could be a church that doesn't want what Jesus wants. God, we need more people with finances to help us spread the kingdom. God, we need more workers to serve in the nursery. God, we need more people to help us on the prayer team. And we can start talking all the time about people that are strong in ministry, strong in giving, strong in service. Give us the strong, God. And yet Jesus is saying, come to me all ye that are weary. That are broken let me ask you this if you ever visited a church and they wanted to put you to work and you could hardly breathe to get there how many of you the first time you walked into a church service it took everything that you had just to show up just to walk in we don't know what each other are carrying we have no idea you know one of the most beautiful stories from this week with vbs there's a family that they bring their kids and they visit every year at vbs and I call them visiting regulars because they're here every year at VBS. And, and their daughter had invited her friend to come and, and to go to VBS on Thursday night for friend night. And so her friend came with them, and, and she experienced VBS. Well, she came back the next night. And the visiting regular dad said, hey, Pastor Brad, can I tell you a story? He said, you know, our daughter brought a friend last night. And I said, yeah. He said, guess what happened today? He said, I have no idea. He said she was in the back of her mom and dad's car and they were running some errands and she starts crying. And she starts sobbing out of control and they couldn't understand what she was trying to tell them. They're trying to comfort her. They're worried about her, wondering if she's sick, wondering what's going on. Pull the car over on the side of the road. The mom goes to the back uh, seat. Sweetheart, what's wrong? What's wrong, sweetie? And she finally calms down enough that this is the little girl. This is what she says. I just can't believe... That Jesus would die for me. That's why you do VBS. That's why we open the doors and call it a house of God. Anybody else? You remember when you couldn't believe that he would die for you? Listen, I don't know your story and maybe you don't know my story, but I don't deserve salvation. I deserve health. I deserve separation. I I was a mess. I was off target. I was thinking about myself. I wasn't thinking about others. He rescued me. He rescued me when I didn't even know I needed to be rescued. He loved me while I would have considered myself to be unlovable. He loved me. He paid the price for me. And I didn't even know the invitation was there going, I know you're weary. I know you're broken. I know you're exhausted. I don't need you strong. I just want you as you are just come to me the way you are. See, one of the balances of church life, because God does work through his church. One of the balances of church life is, yes, we have a vision and we have a mission and we want to grow and we want, but you know how sensitive we need to be to people when they walk in the door? Because I don't know what broke you, what hurt you. What you're dealing with are struggling. And I'll just be honest, more than I want a large church, I want everybody that's in this place strong in Christ, strong in his presence and shining that light everywhere you go so that when you want to pray with somebody at Walmart, when they get mad, it doesn't hurt your feelings. You go, you know what? People are lost. People are lost. You don't say, well, then be cursed to hell with you like Amber did. Okay, we don't want to be that way, all right? No wonder your budget's only at 6%. (laughs) Let's break this thing down. I've only got 11 more minutes and I'm going to use all 15 of them. Observations, number one, Jesus invited the weary and burdened to come to him. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm not asking us as a church, I'm asking you as a person. Are you willing to invite the weary and the burdened to come to you? Or do you just want the strong? Okay, well, it's the strongest that survive. It's the strongest in Christ that thrive, to be quite honest with you. And what's really beautiful is when somebody that's broken and weak receives the strength of the Lord and then transforms atmospheres wherever they go. Those are beautiful moments. So Jesus invited the weary and the burdened. The world looks for the strong for what they can get, Jesus looks for the weary for what he can give. If you're a Twitter person, that one's not too bad. The world looks for the strong for what they can get, and Jesus looks for the weary for what he can give. Number two, Jesus promised to give rest to those who were worn out. How many of you have ever been tired? How many of you have ever been so tired you don't even respond to the minister when he asks if you've ever been tired? How many, when he says, raise your hand if you're tired, you're like, I don't even want to raise my hand. I'm so tired. Are you tired? I'll just raise my shoulder. I'll give you the nod, right? Okay, I've been there. I've been exhausted. I've been weary. And the thing is, it's not just from being exhausted because of what's going on in my life physically and the job and the work, but sometimes emotionally. Many of you know that my dad passed away last year. And my parents lived in, live in Colombia. My mom still lives in Colombia. In those last few months, as if you've ever been there, I, you can receive this without being upset with me, we were almost on death countdown. Have you ever been on death countdown where you just know God's getting them ready and you don't know when it's going to happen and you want to capitalize on every moment with them? You don't want them suffering. You, I'd rather be with heaven, in heaven with Jesus than suffer. Have you ever had that moment? And I can't even tell you how many times I was back and forth to Columbia. We'd have staff meeting, we were organizing, we were working, I'd get a call, we don't think he's going to make it, I'd get in the car, I'd drive down, I'd spend the evening, I'd drive back home, get back home at midnight, get to, get to sleep, get back up, go do it the next morning, get ready, get a call the next evening at nine, Brad, we don't think he's going to make it, oh my goodness, I'm heading back to, how many of you have been there? I was worn out. Emotionally, I was worn out, physically, I was tired, I, I knew I wasn't spinning my wheels, but I was tired. Now, some of you, if you're stronger than me, you're like, hey, buck up, big boy. Well, I got through it, but I was exhausted. And there were times I was preparing messages and ministry to bring to our local church. And I'm like, God, you've got to minister to me if you're going to minister through me. Because I don't really have anything to give. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to be a good under-shepherd here, but somebody would come up and say, would you pray for me? My pinky's really been bothering me. I'm like... Thinking to myself, "Your pink... My dad's dying. Your freaking pinky's bothering you." Now, how do you know that's not a good attitude of Christ? You know what I'm saying? Shove your pinky up. Never. You know what I mean? You just—it's not real. And we're live stream. God bless you, people on the live stream. Come see us sometime, why don't you? All right. And there were there were moments. <laughs> Once again, in rehearsal, it didn't go like this at all. You know how much I had to learn through that? Because pinkies are a really big deal when they're not working. They're not. They are, I'm serious. Pinkies are a really big deal when they're not working. And you know what else? When somebody's dealing with their thing, they're not necessarily aware of your thing. And we really have to learn to help people and minister to them with their things regardless of what we're going through. I mean, I think about this message of Jesus, come to me, y'all, that labor and are heavy laden. You know, he shared that message about a week before John the Baptist was executed, and he knew what John was going to face. He knew what he was going to go through while losing a cousin, and yet he was still willing to give himself. So I'm just being honest with you if I can be. In the middle of my own weariness and exhaustion the Lord used that to show me it was never you healing anybody's pinky anyway it was always the spirit of healing flowing from me into their pinky so let me do it. It was quite the it was quite the grown up. It was kind of have you heard about adulting? It was becoming an adult and learning that no matter what we're going through what somebody else is facing is still important to Jesus. Jesus says, if you're you're worn out, I'll give you a rest. The Greek word for rest here, I love it. It's anaposis. Anaposis is where we get the word pause or intermission or time out, okay? He says, come to me and I'll give you a pause. He didn't necessarily say, come to me and life stops. One of the most beautiful things about Jesus is learning that you can rest with him in the middle of the busyness of life. Some of you are going through things right now, and you're having to learn how in the middle of my job, my family, the quarterly goals, everything going on here, I can still walk in the rest of Jesus Christ because he helps me to do it. Let's go to the next one, number three. Jesus invites us to take up his yoke. Man, I've got so much good sermon that we're we're not going to get to today, so we'll just stick with this, whatever this is up front. I won't get to the good stuff so that you can come back and hear it some other time. But we'll just give you a couple more points for today. Jesus invites us to take up his yoke, which is to join his inner circle. Did you notice in that verse he said, um, take my yoke upon you and learn from me? For I'm humble, I'm gentle. It was an invitation to know him. It was, come and know me. Let me ask you this and be honest about it. How many of you ever wanted to be in the popular crowd? Did you ever have a time in your life you wanted to be in the popular crowd? How many never gave a rip about the popular crowd? See, I love the blend. I love the blend. Sophie, I was in fifth grade this last year, and she was talking to us about the popular girls in her class, And she said, "I just can't get in with the popular girls. They're just so popular. They are so popular." I'm like, "Well, honey, how, how many are there?" She goes, "There's three of them. There's just three popular girls." I'm like, "Well, who do they spend time with each other? Who do they talk to each other?" Can anybody else get? No, nobody can get in. They're the popular three. They're, just, they're so popular. I'm like, actually, they're not. He goes, "What?" I go, "There's three of them. They each have two friends." <laughs> you know everybody in the school. Every time I come up to eat lunch with you, teachers high five you when you're walking down the hall. They're like, Sophie, what's up? You're like, clack clack. You like own the joint. I'm like, why do you want to be popular? You're basically telling me you want to be in a small circle and only have two friends. That's not the popular group. That's the group that needs deliverance from themselves, right? Jesus invites us to his inner circle. But the thing is, it's not exclusive. It's inclusive. It's all of us. Let me just ask you, how many of you have ever been weary? How many of you have ever been heavy laden? Come on, there, some of you aren't raising your hands. You got to be. How many are liars? <laughs> okay, how many of you have ever been broken, sick, broke? I think we probably have hit all of us by now. We're invited. We're invited to know Him and to learn from Him. I'll just I'll throw this at you. I enjoy ministering, but you know what I enjoy more—the presence of Jesus. And I, I hope that shines through because this isn't my profession. I, I, I love the assignment of the Lord and I love getting to share his word, but I really, I don't just want to preach so other people get to heaven. I really want to be there. But I also want to bring it here. I just want to know him. Amen. He's the first reward. And last point for today, fourth one is this. Jesus invites us to take up his yoke or to discover the lightness of his yoke. Jesus invites us to discover the lightness of his yoke. Now we're referring to his teaching. How many will go ahead and give me the the extra five minutes today so I can finish this up? Okay, 22%. That's enough to get elected. All right. (laughs) The way our system works, all right. Jesus invites us to discover the lightness of his teaching. Um, When I was growing up and he talked about his, his light yoke, you know where my mind went. And went to eggs, right? Eggs and bacon. I mean, like, I don't want yolk. I Give me the whites, right? The yolk's got cholesterol. So that's so, his yolk, I'm like, and I'm walk, seeing these people walking around with eggs on their head. As a kid, that's where my mind went. And then I got older, and I heard about the yoke of the oxen. How many of you have ever heard that sermon? You gotta find two oxens that are of equal strength so that when you yoke them up, If you have one big oxen and one little one, that one that's big is going to pull more and it's going to get everything off off to the right or everything off to the left. That's why you've got to be equally yoked. That's also not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about eggs and he wasn't talking about yoking up an oxen. At this time, a rabbi's teaching was known as his yoke. Did you know that? It was simply known as his yoke. So let's say that A rabbi had, and there were several rabbis at the time. Jesus wasn't the only one. A rabbi had followers. They were his disciples. And if this rabbi was real legalistic, let me give you an example of one of the law breaks that you could do with a rabbi. There were certain rabbis, they were so legalistic about resting on the Sabbath, but on the Sabbath, they still wanted people to read from the Torah. Now think about the Torah at that time. It was in scrolls. And they'd have to open up these huge scrolls, and they live in the Middle East, and it is hot all the time, and they're opening up these scrolls, and they've got their flowing garments on, and they're seated in their synagogue, and there's not enough windows for everybody, and some rabbis were so legalistic, they believed that if when the scroll was being read, if the reader had a drop of sweat touch his forehead, he was sinning, because he was working. Did you notice that? how I changed my voice, working. I don't know why I did it, but it was a lot of fun, okay? So they would say, he can't teach in the synagogue anymore because he's breaking the command. He's working on the Sabbath. How dare he? How many would would you consider that a heavy yoke? That's a legalistic yoke. They would argue about how far they could walk on the Sabbath day. Have you ever read in the scriptures have you ever read in the scriptures? Okay, and have you ever read where it says that it was a Sabbath day's walk? And you thought, well, how far is that? Well, if your rabbi's Rabbi Schneider, and Rabbi Schneider only lets you walk a half a mile on the Sabbath day, you better have markers a quarter of a mile away from your home, so that when you walk, you don't get too far, or you, you'll have to work to get back. Now, maybe Rabbi Goldstein's a little easier to deal with. He let you walk two miles. See, all these yokes, some were heavy, some were light. Jesus' yoke was easy. His burden was light. He didn't say, come to me and as my follower, don't ever sweat on the Sabbath. Come to me and as my follower, don't you dare walk too far. Come to me and as my follower, not only do I want your tithe, I want an extra 12% because of inflation. Come to me, and as my follower, make sure, make sure, do this, do that, follow, follow, do, obey, follow. No. He says, Come to me. If you're weary, if you're broken, if you're exhausted, and I'm going to give you rest. So take it upon you. Take what? The yoke. What's the yoke? The teaching. What's the teaching? To receive his rest. Take my yoke upon you. When Moses was getting ready to lead the people from Egypt to the promised land. They're getting ready to walk through the wilderness. They're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. But even in the middle of that, God the father says to Moses. My presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. The teaching of Jesus is rest for people that are weary and rest for people that are broken. And as he does in us what only he can do, then we can give rest through his name to other broken, weary, exhausted people. You know what I know? I know that somebody probably didn't feel like going dorm to dorm and passing out flyers because whoever feels like passing out flyers People talk about, we ought to have the community car wash. It's so much fun. I don't see it as fun. I mean, the one moment where you get to spray somebody with a hose, that's fun. Getting everybody there, organizing the shifts, making sure you have the buckets and the soap, and know—and the kids do a good enough job that somebody's not mad when they leave the community car wash. That's so much fun. I, I, anybody else not see it as fun? See it as work? See? Right? I, I get, it, yeah, let's do it. And then you have to do it, and you're like, oh, we're doing it. Hey, let's pass out flyers. We'll reach Mizzou's campus. Yay, it's tomorrow. Boo. But somebody went in a dorm, and they put a flyer in a mailbox. And Amber walked into a Chi Alpha meeting, and she gave her life to Christ. And now she's doing the same thing on another campus. And we changed the world. And they didn't say, come to Chi Alpha because we want what you got. They said, come to Chi Alpha. We have something to give you. Faith Chapel, do we have something to give? We do. Let's give it to the weary. Let's give it to the broken. Let's give it to the hurting. Let's give them Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. Thank you for giving me a little extra time so that I could finish that. Um, There was another page and a half, but... It just wasn't needed for the second service today. If you're weary, and maybe you're even thinking to yourself, PB, how can I give this when I'm exhausted? Spiritually, I'm drained. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to pray that God would infuse you with his strength and with his power. If you wouldn't mind closing your eyes for just a moment, just for a little privacy. Uh, Is that you? How many of you are in here, and you're like, Pastor Brad, that is me. I am worn down right now. I'm not saying you're sinful. You're just being honest that you're worn out. Is there anybody else? I, I don't want to miss you. We're going we're to pray for you. We're going to bless you. God loves you. Man, we love you. We, I don't want you weary. I want you strengthened. And in my frailty, and my humanity, if I want you strengthened, how much more does your God who loves you, okay? He loves you. Those of you that raise your hand, go ahead and lift them up again. Nobody's staring at you. We're not here to look at you. It's just a sign. I'm going to speak over you while you've got that hand up, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sons and daughters all over this room. And in particular, right now, I thank you for the ones that are lifting a hand. And some of them, this moment of lifting their hand, it's taking their energy to do it. I don't know what's going on in each life, each man and each woman, but I know you know them, you know their situation. You know their assignment. You know how many hairs they have on their head. You don't miss a thing. And I ask in this moment that you would be the strength of your daughters and that you would be the strength of your sons. And I also speak against the enemy and his agenda to wear out the saints of God. And I say to that enemy, the Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. And we cancel your plans and your assignment against the sons and daughters of Zion. And we bless the children of God. In Jesus' name, I bless you that your inner man is strengthened. That the presence of God in you arises. That you mount up with the wings of eagles. You run and you're not weary. You walk and you're not faint. You receive the rest and the peace and the strength of God. And I bless you today. God, strengthen your people and encourage them. And I just speak against any spirit of heaviness or discouragement that it would be broken and that your people would be liberated to walk in everything that you've already promised that is theirs. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. We bless